Today, we're going to cover the best players of last week, injuries and recoveries, and streamers for the next seven days. We'll also go over our worst calls of the year. That's today on Fastball Fantasy Baseball. This is Fastball Fantasy Baseball with Taylor Tarter and Matt Kirk. Let's get into it. Let's get into the best players from last week. All right, so the best hitter from last week was Mets first baseman Pete Alonzo, who batted 333 with nine runs, four homers, 13 RBI, and a stolen base. And he did it for my team that's going fighting for third place right now. Disappointingly. I lost <laughs> uh I lost uh the I, I made this insane comeback to get into the playoffs and then lost uh the the first round. It's just so disappointing, so gut-wrenching. Was it like at least a hard fault loss, or were you just straight up embarrassed? No, I tried so hard. And it, they, there were times where I was like up six. It was just so back and forth. Like we were it's categories, and so we were like three to seven, and then the next day it would be seven to three the other way, and then five to five, and then a four to five to one. It was just so back and forth. His pitching just crushed me. So mm. Oh well, no championships for me this year, but good good luck to you, Maddie. <laughs> you know, it's the last matchup of the year when you're streaming a Washington Nationals Braves game and you streamed uh Bryce Elder as your as your opening opening matchup starter. Because why not? Pulling out no all the stubs. The better end. <laughs> so Pete Alonso this past week, uh, Pete Alonso this season has 39 homers, 90 runs, 128 RBI, and he's batting a legit 270. And uh, I'm I'm really ha- I drafted him. I had him pretty high, um, and I'm I'm happy with my my choice. Um, he has a 26, a 12.6 percent barrel rate, which is fifth best among first basemen. 45% hard hit rate, which is ninth best among first basemen. So just crushing the ball uh, backs up the big, you know, home run numbers. Uh, almost a 20% line drive rate, which is a career high for him. And so when I say like the, a legit 270, it's because he has numbers like that backing him up. He also has a 19.4% home run to fly ball rate, which is under his career average. So you actually might see a little uh Pete Alonzo home run outburst here in the last like week and a half potentially and then also his contact rate is up and his swinging strike rate is down so he looks like he's kind of like shifting a little bit as a player like adding some more layers to his uh to his profile as a batter which is kind of scary yeah I do I mean he's seemingly taken the next step here uh, to be a pretty respectable hitter in terms of plate discipline. Right. Um, If not for Goldie, you could probably see Alonzo stealing a couple MVP votes um, playing for a contending team at a position where it's not that, that deep and he's hitting big homers. Um, You know, I, I think he, he may even get one or two MVP votes, which would be pretty cool. 
I think it's possible. I I think realistically he needs that batting average to be closer to like that 285, 290 range to, I mean, like Freddie Freeman's ahead of him, you know, like there's, there's some other guys out there that are, are like, they might not have the home run numbers, but because of the whole package, right. They, they're going to get the, the, the votes, but you know, he's, he's going to be scary next year. Pete Alonso. goes another step here. I mean, 40 homers, possibly going to have 100 runs, might be able to eke out another 10 RBIs here. Uh, you know, that could be 100, 138 RBIs, 100 runs, 40-some-odd homers. That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, and, and not a lot of people are hitting 40 homers. There are two people that have 40 yeah. homers right now. Aaron Judge and Kyle Schwarber yeah. and Pete Alonso is at 39. So he, you know, he's one of three people to, to do that uh, potentially. Yeah. A couple honorable mention. Well, one honorable mention batter from last week was Pittsburgh outfielder Brian Reynolds. He batted 500 with seven runs, three homers, six RBI, and a stolen base. Uh, another, so he, he's a slow start, but kind of like getting back into close to what he did last year and another guy that could like take a step in the right direction next year and you know be a be a hot bat um you know boost his uh draft stock a little bit as far as the best pitcher uh Mets starting pitcher Max Scherzer went 12 innings gave up four hits one earned run one walk 16 strikeouts and he ended up with two quality starts both of which were wins with a 0.75 ERA and a 0.42 width. Just nasty. And like does not look like age is slowing him down at all. Almost at 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He has the second best uh, walks per nine rate of his career at 1.55. So like less than two walks a game. Uh, and 83 and a half left on base rate. Ridiculous. The not so great element of his game that's kind of been like uh brought to light in in Washington is the home run rate like allowing a lot of home runs and you can see like the fly ball issue in his ground ball rate which is 29.7%. And like there are guys that are have that have like a 50% ground ball rate and Max Scherzer's at like 30 basically. Mm-hmm. so little little scary there uh not in the you know he, he's in a he's in a ballpark where i'm not like too worried about that yeah uh but it it is an issue we'll see how it goes it's it's been kind of like a cry a gradual decline for him and then uh, the rest of his numbers here 271 babbit versus a 288 career babbit with a 20% line drive rate this year and a 6% home run to fly ball rate. You'll see that reflected in his ex FIP in Sierra. He has a 213 ERA, but his ex FIP is basically a whole run higher. And his Sierra is uh, 285. So maybe those numbers are reflecting more of like what what he should be doing right now with ground ball numbers like that and and 
uh, lower than usual BABIP and a lower than usual home run to fly ball rate. But still, I mean, if you have them in the playoffs right now, like you're so, you're so happy. Uh, and then some honorable mention pitchers, uh, Dylan Cease, Clayton Kershaw, Tyler Alexander, and Adrian Sam- uh, Sampson were the only pitchers last week aside from Scherzer to pick up two quality starts. And this is something, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the year, and and it's going to be a constant conversation, is the importance of quality starts, whether you're in a quality starts league or not, right? The The importance of finding guys that are going deep into games. And it just feels like every week, it's like fewer and fewer and fewer people. Mm-hmm. And like, you'll get that one week where there's like 10 guys that had two quality starts, but most of the time it's like maybe five. Yeah, and especially at the end of the year where guys are getting run down, tired, and they're reaching their their innings limits. You know, you just see it less and less. Yeah. Yeah. That This is particularly a point in the year where, like, if you're in a quality starts league, you are, you are scrambling right now. Big time. Uh, that's part of the reason why I lost my, my categories league because we're a quality starts league. And I had guys like Dylan Cease and – Shane McClanahan going like five innings, you know, mm. and getting pulled. And uh, yeah, that, w- that was rough. Uh, <laughs> a couple other pitchers to mention here. There were a bunch that ended up with say- single digit innings and double digit strikeouts. Uh, Snell, Gallon, McKenzie, Luis Ortiz, Woodruff, Alcantara, Lazardo, Ronzi Contreras, and Bradish. And then actually a bunch of relievers ended up with three saves last week. Uh, Clase, Presley, Jansen, Scott Barlow, Doval, and Soto. So that I think that's the first time this year that's happened where it's been like more than two or three people picking up three saves in a week. So weird, weird week. All right, let's talk some injuries and recoveries. Ouch, baby. Very ouch. So really, this is like one injured person and a bunch of people where like news has come out that they're done for the year, that their injuries are like extending. The one injury note is that Atlanta starting pitcher Spencer Strider got put on the IL retroactive to the 21st uh, for an oblique strain. I think that's more like an innings management sort of thing. Like it's probably, I would imagine it's probably not that bad. Mm. Um, Obliques can be like weird injuries that take like three months, you know, to recover from. But I, I would think that this is just like, they're, they're like trying to finagle, you know, his innings so that he doesn't blow himself out before the playoffs. And then uh, we got a couple of guys here that are the news is that they're not playing in 2022. They're not playing anymore. I left. I'm not going over any players here where it's like up in the air still, because there are players like um, I I can't remember who when I was looking through, but there there's players where it's like, like Nate Valdi, right? He might come back. He might not. So I'm not Mm going to mention any of those. This is purely, Guys are out. They're out, right? So Baltimore starting pitcher Tyler Wells 
out with a shoulder injury, not coming back. Arizona starting pitcher, uh, Madison Bumgarner, he is out, not coming back. He was a fun streamer for me earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, White Sox outfielder, outfielder Luis Robert, uh, out with the wrist injury, not coming back. We'll talk about him a little later. Uh, Cincinnati starting pitcher Mike Miner is out with a shoulder injury. Our uh, buddy Bobby Nightingale Jr. on Twitter said Miner might be retiring this offseason. So that's some interesting news there. Hmm. Uh, Colorado corner infielder and outfielder Chris Bryant had this foot injury bothering him all year. He's not coming back. What a what <laughs> thank, nightmare. thank goodness I didn't pick him. Thank goodness. Yeah. That's, that's one of my good calls this year. We're going to talk about some bad calls. That's one of my good ones this year. <laughs> you know, staying away from him. Uh, Minnesota starting pitcher Tyler Molly done for the year, as well as Minnesota outfielder Byron Buxton. Again, very happy I stuck to my guns with him. I did trade for him like right before the deadline to get some power, but this was like right before he went out. So Ugh, it was so that sad. was a bummer. That was a wasted trade. Uh Yankees outfielder Andrew Benintendi is done for the year, as is Washington catcher Kybert Ruiz. There are some uh recoveries, some important recoveries here. Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras, he has resumed full activities, but there's still no return date. So it literally could be like any day he comes back. And that's like a, you know, with these short IL raw, you know, roster rosters and in, in fantasy leagues, somebody might have dropped him. So yeah, that's a that's a guy to keep an eye out for uh for like a little, you know, the if he comes back in like three days and you have him for a week, like he could help. Yep. Same for White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson. He could be back in the lineup this week. Uh, that's that's a guy where like somebody might have dropped him to make room. Um, check check and see if he's out there. Go snag him now. Dodgers starting pitcher Tony Gonsolin. He should be back after a rehab start on Tuesday. And Philly outfielder Nick Castellanos. The reports are he should be back this week by Thursday. Could be back earlier. Um, and we're recording this on Monday, so you know if he's back on Tuesday and you're listening to this on Wednesday, that's why we're talking about him in this way. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into a couple streamers. Am I streaming? Am I streaming? All right, here are your worst ten teams in baseball: uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Oakland, Detroit. Colorado, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Chicago Cubs, Miami, and Los Angeles Angels. They have the worst 10-run differential. And then as far as most strikeouts, uh, the Angels are striking out the most, followed by Pittsburgh, has overtaken Atlanta. Atlanta was in the, the had the most strikeouts for a while, then LA took over. Atlanta's falling back. They're, they're doing better. Uh, same San Francisco following them, the Milwaukee, Chicago Cubs, Cincy, Texas, Detroit, and Miami. So our our crossover here, uh, you have a, a lot of teams to target. Actually, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Cincinnati, Chicago, Miami, and LA are all really good options to stream against this week. And so we have a few here for you. 
Cincinnati starting pitcher Graham Ashcraft is at Chicago. Actually, all of these are away games. Uh, Friday the 30th, and he is rostered in just 5% of ESPN leagues. Matt, I don't know if you've heard like reports about his teammates like getting interviewed about him, but they'll they'll get asked by reporters like, oh, who has the best stuff in the in the uh you know out of the out of your pitchers? And they're like, oh, Gray Mashcraft. Oh uh, yeah. Like all his teammates are like, he has the nastiest stuff. And I I am I'm curious why he's not rostered more than he is. Like he doesn't have like blow you away stats, but I mean, he, he gets outs and like, so this is a really good matchup for him. Cubs have the third most uh, strikeouts versus righties. And he's not a guy that gets a ton of strikeouts, but he hardly walks anybody Two uh, walks per nine innings. And he has a 54% ground ball rate which is disgusting. Max Scherzer, 30%. Graham Ashcraft, 54%. Mm -hmm. So, and that's really good. This is an away game, but that's a really good line to have in Cincy too. Like that's the pitcher you want in Cincy. Well, looks like he's projected to put pitch both of his last two games against the Cubs as well. Oh yeah. That's a must add. That is a must add. I'm gonna I'm gonna add him tonight. <laughs> yeah, like if if I was playing a meaningful game right right now, I would go add him too. Like, yeah, th- this is like perfect situation for him. And like, you know, we're in a super deep uh, uh, league on uh, fan tracks, and he's out there in fan tracks. I couldn't believe it because he has been owned by so many different teams in our league. I mean, he's probably. Yeah, he probably has the most owners in the league, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen times he's been picked up and added. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, it shows you he's a good streamer. Like, he's a good ad. Uh, yeah. And, like, this is a perfect matchup. You have a team that's getting the third most strikeouts against righties. And well, he's a righty and he doesn't walk people and he gets ground ball. So uh, go, go grab Graham Ashcraft. If you're going to pitch in uh, great American ballpark, you better be getting ground balls. Yeah. Cause fly balls will leave that park. I'm guessing that might be something that happened to him uh, in his last start. He got beat up a little bit against Milwaukee at home uh in cincinnati that's a pretty good offense too it's it's a little different than chicago's offense yeah definitely different (laughs) uh another another starter here for you minnesota starting pitcher bailey ober is at detroit on sunday the second little more widely rostered at 40 percent, but this is like such a juicy matchup detroit is second worst against righties they have the fifth most strikeouts against righties, and they have the fewest walks against righties. Ridiculous. And here's here's a stat that'll line up uh, perfect with this. Bailey Ober's career walks per nine rate is 1.8, right? So he doesn't walk anybody. And I'm giving you his career rate because he's been out for a lot of the year, hasn't accrued like a ton of data uh, this year, but... Um, I mean, like, 
if he's available, you have to add him. His five ball rate is too high. Uh, it's like 52% or something crazy. But Detroit also has the fewest home runs in baseball. So that's not so much a worry to me uh, in this game. Just a really, really good start right here. We are totally on the same wavelength because uh, my with my very last move last uh, for, for the week last week, I picked up Bailey over to have him for this week. Uh, yeah, he is currently in the championship for my my team right now, as is your very next guy that you have on this list. Yes, Atlanta starting pitcher Bryce Elder. Good segue, Matt. At uh, Miami on Monday, the third, he is rostered in 9% of ESPN leagues. Uh, So getting called up to fill uh, Spencer Strider's spot. Miami has the ninth worst average the sixth most strikeouts uh, against righties. And so for Elder, he's only had seven starts. He's had eight appearances. His biggest flaw is basically the opposite of these last two guys' strengths. He's wa- he's walking like f- almost five guys an inning, uh, five guys per, in- per nine innings. <laughs> he's walking almost five guys per nine innings. There we go. Yeah. Uh, on the good side, He's striking out uh, just over eight batters per nine innings, and he has a 49% ground ball rate. So uh, not leaving a lot of fly balls out there, getting a good amount of strikeouts. So the guys that are getting on base uh, against him aren't getting home. Uh, and so I like him here against Miami. Miami is one of our our target teams. Uh, so really, really good matchup here for him. And we are recording this episode in the middle of his start against the Nationals right now. Uh, and he doesn't have a single walk yet. He's through five uh, with three Ks and three hits. And that's it. No and, runs. and the Nats are one of the best teams at getting walks. Mm. So there you go. Maybe in the corner. Yeah. And maybe that's like just the, the some positive regression there for him. So uh-huh. We'll see. We'll see. Good, uh, good start for Monday. Yeah. And then uh, last one here. Uh, one of my favorites in the second half to stream is St. Louis starting pitcher Jose Quintana. He's at Pittsburgh on Tuesday the 4th. He is rostered in 41% of ESPN leagues. Pittsburgh is, uh, they have the fourth worst average and the most strikeouts against lefties and they have the 10th fewest walks against lefties. So, I mean, everything lines up for this to be a great start for, for Quintana. He has about seven and a half strikeouts per nine, two and a half walks per nine. Uh, He's stranding almost three quarters of runners and he has a 46 and a half percent ground ball rate. So just like exactly what you want in this type of matchup. I don't care that he's old. I didn't care with Johnny Cueto. I don't care with Jose Quintana. They're figuring it out. So we're going to take a quick break here, but we'll be right back to discuss our uh, worst calls of the year right after a word from our sponsor. All right. So these are some of our, our oopsies. Um, <laughs> some. <laughs> You know, we're, we are, uh, we're going to talk next week about some of our best calls of the year, Aaron judge. Um, 
<laughs> but this but this week uh what we're gonna do is own up to our mistakes <laughs> Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> you know last year for me one of the biggest mistakes was thinking that like Otani was going to be like they were gonna regulate him like they had done previously and I learned my lesson I just could not get him. I like he just got drafted before I could get him in most cases. And, you know, but I but I will never I won't be afraid to draft him anymore. This year, some of these guys might be some of my learn my lesson type players. <laughs> uh, one player that I ended up not drafting anywhere. He was on my do not draft list. I like faded him everywhere. Tampa outfielder, Randy Rosarena. I'm going to take you through some stats here. Here are the 2020 players, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases from this season. Randy Rosarena, Bobby Witt, Trey Turner, Julio Rodriguez, Adolis Garcia, uh, Semyon, and Tucker. And that's it. And there's, there's one player there's one player in baseball at either that has gone 30 20 or 20 30 this year. Any guesses who that is? Randy Rosarena. Randy Rosarena. <laughs> uh, there are three, four other players who are really, really close right now and probably will get there J Rod, Witt, Tucker, and Jose Ramirez in mm. some form or another are going to go 20 30 or 30 20. Uh, but Randy Rosarena is the only one who's done it now. And part of the reason why I never really like sought out drafting him was because of his hard contact. And it's still not even that great this year. Like he has a 7.9% barrel rate, which is like right on league average. 41.5% hard hit rate is decent, but like down, it was down from last year. So yeah, that that actually got worse. Uh, he's such a weird player because also his strikeout rate is down five percent from last year. It's down to twenty three percent from twenty eight, but his chase rate went up. So I like don't really, it like doesn't, <laughs> the math doesn't work in my brain, you know. I wonder if he's just making more contact outside of the zone then. I'm perhaps it's just such a weird, it's such a weird line. Yeah. Like usually don't get better that. (laughs) No, but he's one of those guys where like, I may, you know, learn my lesson with him and like, actually, and, and I, I also to make things worse, I got offered him. I got offered him in a trade multiple times. And said no, and said like I don't want Randy Rosarena throughout the yeah. season, and like mistake, mistake number one for me. I, I I also have a bunch of guys I'm too high on. Yeah, I think Randy Rosarena was something like I I believe he had a pretty slow start to the year. Oh um, yeah, because I just I distinctly remember him being available on on waiver wires in in some leagues and you know now we look back on it and 
you know, he's like the 50th overall player in, in, in fantasy. <laughs> he just really came around and turned it on there. Like, I want to guess. Yeah. He was dropped like at the end of May in our league. Um, and then somebody scooped him right up and kept him for the rest of the year. Interestingly enough, the guy who picked up a Rosarena in our league dropped Alice Garcia. So hmm. it basically just made it off. Right. Yeah, and you know, I I thought that 2020 would be there. Like I I kind of had that. Like I figured he would do something like that. But 2030 is really impressive. Yes. Um. So there were a bunch of guys I was like way too high on in the off season, and like drafted a whole bunch of them, and should not have, uh, or at least should not have drafted them as high as I did. Uh, so just kind of like a quick rundown. Uh, Yankee star baseman Josh Donaldson, Cincy first baseman Joey Votto, Tampa second baseman Brandon Lau, Colorado catcher Elias Diaz, White Sox outfielder Luis Robert, Toronto shortstop Bo Bichette, and uh, one you reminded me of, St. Louis outfielder Tyler O'Neill. I was just like way, way too high on them like i bought into i think i bought into the data too much although i will say Mm -hmm. i I will say tyler o'neill i think if he had been healthy we're seeing a totally different player this year because he had hints of of being himself but i think he just was like hampered by injuries all year uh but i'll get there yeah that's that's gonna be a really good guy to take a flyer on next year i I will not be afraid of drafting him top 50 next year yeah i don't think top 75 though i think i think you'll see him dropping out of the top 100 and you know that's a good that's a good guy to take flyer on at that at that cost yeah yeah so so with donaldson for me like the whole thing I was looking at was like just absolutely matching the baseball, like crazy good hard contact and the power profile like is there. It just didn't materialize this season. His strikeout rate and his chase rate were the worst of his career this year. And, you know, played, played a lot into like some pretty terrible numbers, Vado injury and age, like, it was just a disappointing season for him. I thought he was going to be like a top 10 first baseman. Obviously that didn't happen with Brandon Lau. He just like lost power. Uh, his barrel and hard hit rates went down and his all like almost all of his plate discipline numbers got worse this year. So that's a guy who I think a lot of us were high on, uh, but I am kind of like, not i'm i'm worried about drafting him and they're starting to like bench him a little bit in tampa which mm-hmm. me no likey i do not like they that. got they got more guys coming up too i mean it, they I got a lot of middle infield and yeah. outfield so. yeah it's crowded there i bet you he gets traded in the offseason i think there's a really good chance uh as far as elias diaz I love that he played in Colorado. I love the the power outburst that he had last year. It just like did not come together. Lost barrel rate, 
league average hard hit rate strikeout rate up he just kind of like blew up after the first two months of the season basically i had him in nfbc and ended up having to drop him very disappointed but i picked up jonah heim who was one of my one of my uh across the board pickups i picked him up everywhere and rode him for a while he was good yeah. uh luis robert luis robert that was to me like an injury he just lost lost production because of injury and i think you'll see his line drive rate went down his barrel and hard hit rate went down and to me that's like a product of him kind of being injured all season and this the same thing i think it's the same issue with tyler o'neill he had Tyler O'Neill had some of the best plate plate discipline metrics of his career. Uh, and he managed to go 14 and 14 and 383 at bats. You give him 250 more at bats, he's borderline 3030. So I'm I'm just saying, like, I think if it was a lot of back uh uh oblique stuff with him shoulder like it was all his like joints and i don't know i think with both him and and luis robert if you had healthy seasons we'd be seeing like totally different players and then my last one here that i was just way too high on and i think everybody was is bovichette and like I think he was drafted across the board as like a top 20 guy. And I think what we're seeing is he's more like a top 50 guy. Like he probably should have been drafted as like a fourth rounder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just, uh, it all regressed. Well, you know, though, with that said, he had a crazy good week, like two weeks ago. Yeah. And it like, I it think, like caught I up to him a little bit. Yeah. Like he, it's going to look a lot better than it really was the whole year, you know, because he started tagging some stuff on here at the end. He got, got kind of hot, but you know, I don't know. It, it was hard to bet, bet against them. I mean, he didn't really give anybody any real reason to bet against them, except if you looked, I think he kind of had some soft contact issues, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think one thing that is like extra disappointing about him this season is he has half as many stolen bases as he did last year. Yeah. And that's like a huge, he went 29 home runs, 25 stolen bases over 120 runs over a hundred RBI. And he batted 298. Like that's mm -hmm. almost MVP, right? That's almost MVP numbers. And this year it's 24 home runs, uh, 12, stolen bases he's at 87 runs and 91 rbi and it's eight he's played in eight fewer games right now so mm -hmm. and and he's batting 283 with almost an identical babbit so it's like yeah like his his barrel rate went down but just like barely his hard hit rate actually went up a little bit um and his babbit stayed the same but if you're looking at like so StatCast is the one that has like barrel and hard hit rates. Fangraphs also has their own hard contact metric. And if you go by that, his medium contact went up 
from 49% to 54 and a half. And his hard contact went down from 36% to 34%. Hmm. So according to fan graphs, he lost hard contact. Hmm. So, or it shifted to medium contact. But that again, that's Bovichet, right? It, it, strikeout rate is up 38% chase rate. Both of those things aren't very good. Uh, I think the biggest disappointment for him, the thing you're buying him for at second round value is you're buying him for the power plus the stolen bases. And you just didn't really get the stolen bases this year. Mm -hmm. And then uh, one player I was too low on that I ended up trading for, uh, but I should have like drafted him early was Philly starting pitcher, Aaron Nola. I thought he would be more average. I had like a Twitter beef with somebody uh, about him being average and uh, over the, over the off season. And uh, he has the best walk rate of his career right now. He has the lowest home run to fly ball rate of his career. He has like the second best ERA of his career um, basically. So I was wrong and uh, I, sh I should have drafted him and uh yeah, I've, I traded for him, so at least I redeemed myself a little bit. <laughs> I'm a big Nola fanboy. I, yeah, you know, I just a bit biased. Being uh, a pretty large Phillies fan, uh, I've always believed in Nola. I thought his 2018 was a bit of an outlier, and he was third in the Cy Young voting back then. But I knew it was just, that was sort of like fool's gold. Like he's not really that that good, you know. Uh, but I would never trash him, you know uh he's yeah, gonna he go you know and he's, he's gonna go deep into games i mean in in fantasy that's kind of like two of the biggest components for me is like how many innings you're gonna give me you know and you know can can you go deep and into every game just to clarify he, i didn't think he was gonna be terrible i just mm. thought he was gonna be like average like i thought he was gonna be okay you know what i mean like i i i didn't i didn't avoid him but i faded him uh -huh. you know what i mean like i i didn't sure. think i wasn't going to draft him in the third or fourth round but if he fell to me in like the sixth or seventh sure but like mm -hmm. before that i wasn't going to draft him well i'll meet, you, I I'll meet you halfway here because i was never i was never going to draft aaron judge this is <laughs> i was just never going to do it i i i think if we went back and listened to an episode that we had, you would hear me say something along the lines of people that big just don't get better over time. You know, <laughs> they just don't, they get hurt. They break down. I remember Richie Sexton being an example uh, and it just couldn't fathom players this large being durable enough to warrant drafting that high. Um, so I was just never on the Aaron judge train ever at any point plus he always struck out and that's like one of my biggest issues because I'm, a, I'm more of a points league guy than anything else right but then the guy goes on and he's triple crown and he cut like his walk his strikeout rate like down by like eight or nine percent it's ridiculous i think he has more walks than strikeouts in the second half i mean you know so you could talk about Aaron Judge next week because you got that right i wanted to get it off my chest yeah. right now so <laughs> horribly wrong other guys i got really really horribly wrong 
um, Jared Kelnick was a guy that I was in. I was in on this guy so hard. I looked at all, you know, I knew he had a terrible year last year. The September rolled around. He had a great year. Uh, I just wanted to have that stud, young 20-something guy in my outfield for the entire career in a dynasty league or a keeper league. That's what I wanted. I I drank the Kool-Aid. was horribly wrong. Now, he did just get caught up recently, and he's put together a couple of nice, nice games, but I it, it's hard to look at it now, but I, I'm out. I'm never – Okay. I was – I was going to ask, I was going to ask, is he a learn your lesson guy? Or are you like, it, that really sounded like you're getting like the itch to go back after <laughs> no, him again. No, 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 I'm out. I'm not going after it again. I mean, listen, if he falls to a, a place where it's too good to pass up, sort of like Joe Adele fell this year in a lot of drafts into like way, way late in the 180s or 200s after that. I mean, I'll take I'll take a flyer on the guy that late, but you know, I'm not taking him in the hot, top 150, you know, which might be something that somebody's going to do if he keeps having if he has a good next 10 games or so. Um, I think there's uh, always going to be people that are like in in on Kellenic, like uh, he's he's got so much prospect pedigree, yeah, but he also has so many flaws to his game right now and until like he like clearly figures those out like i was out last year and unless he like like a blows me away in like spring training there's yeah. no ch- no chance i'm drafting him i i remember only briefly entertaining the concept like i'm gonna try and figure out what's wrong with him and then looking looking at it and just seeing every off-speed pitch that he couldn't hit. Like he just couldn't hit breaky balls. And I that's that's important for a major league baseball player to be able to do. Right. Like maybe he could get away with it in AAA. Like maybe people are just working on their fastballs and maybe they don't have good breaking balls, right? But listen, buddy, if you can't hit, you got trouble with the curve. You you can't you can't hack it here. And maybe he makes the adjustment in the offseason spring training, and then it becomes the guy everybody wants him to be. But uh he was not that for me this year, and I wanted him to be that so badly. Um additionally, uh three, four other guys that really kind of hurt me because I thought I I was so confident in these guys that I waited to draft them later because I had this belief and confidence in them um one being uh frank schwindel was a big frank schwindel guy um additionally luke voigt i had no issues waiting for first base because i believed that these guys were undervalued mm. and i capitalized on them later um that which... was that was a strategy for a lot of people like a lot of people saw first bases deep because of those guys you yeah. know yeah um and, you know, it, another guy like that for me uh, was Marcelo Zuna. I felt like I could wait on him, draft him. And I carried this this disgusting individual <laughs> on my roster for so long, this albatross on my neck. And then I, I had finally got the cojones to cut him. And it was like the next day that he got suspended for something. I forget what it was. But it was his recent thing where he got – 
uh, he he was somehow bad in the public eye for some reason. Mm. Now he's back. He's Big surprise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe he's gonna get hot and make it make it painful uh, for to watch for the next ten games or so. But um, yeah, essentially that that was that was it for me. I was also really high on Aaron Ashby. Um, now that's a prospect that I took a flyer on, but I I was big into him. Um, and it just hasn't panned out yet. He can't locate. Uh, I remember you saying that you kind of compared him to just being another Freddie Peralta, who is a guy that I also was big on. Um, but injuries have really derailed these two guys for yeah. most of the yeah. year. And I think I think that's that's when you can't like call a, a miss. You know, you can't call a whiff on Aaron Ashby yet. I feel yeah. like you can't really call a whiff on a lot of like prospects that ca- got called up this year. And, and didn't cut it. Like I thought um, Torkelson was going to be way better than he was, mm-hmm. but you know, they're, they're so young. So yeah. My last guy that I was huge on uh, was Corey, Corey Knable. Corey Knable, I thought was going to go into Philadelphia, win that job, pitch for a really good high scoring Phillies team and be like a top five closer. Um, because I just thought it was a guy that needed the, opportunity and he was going to get it uh and then instead he got the opportunity and just blew it up (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know i wore i wore a little bit of egg on my face for for supporting Corey neville as much as i did well those were our worst takes our worst calls of the year next week we're gonna do some of our best calls of the year while we uh pat ourselves on the back so uh, and then we'll, we're going to round out the season with uh, some prospect talk and, and a little uh, look ahead to next season. So just a few more episodes here before we uh, call it a call it a season. Season number three for us. We'll be covering all the big news in baseball, the best players to drop in ads, streamers, and more. So make sure you subscribe and tune in so you're notified when episodes publish every Wednesday. In the meantime, you can tweet us at FastballPod, reach out to us on Instagram at FastballFantasyBaseball, or email us at FastballFantasyBaseball at gmail.com and we'll respond. Uh, I do a an article on Fantasy Pros each week. We are on hiatus now, but uh, I will be back uh, writing again in the off season. So you can read my stuff there. Finally, please give the show a five-star rating. Each high rating will move this podcast up the list on all the podcast platforms when people search for fantasy baseball. So it's something that really helps us out. And thanks for listening.